you're guaranteed death, prison, or recovery. I'm here to help make that decision for you. I gotta sober up. I'm not gonna keep doing this to myself. I love and respect myself today. It's not how much you drink or how often you drink. It's what alcohol does to you when you do drink. Find something that you love and do it. Don't be ashamed. Ask for help. You know, I was powerless and I was out of control. If all of your friends are doing the exact same thing that you're doing, the only way to get away from doing that, and I hate to say this, is to get rid of all your old friends. When I got sober, I didn't get sober for me because I didn't really feel like I deserved to be sober. I got sober for my kid. Welcome, everybody, to the second episode of the Living Sober Up North podcast. Uh, my name is, I've, I've divulged this already, my name is Nate Burkmos. I am uh, fully open and honest and I'm like an open book now. Now, you know, so, uh, actually, it's about to celebrate a year and uh, uh, nine months. Is it a year? And nine? No, a year and seven months. Excuse me. Jeez, time doesn't doesn't work for me anymore. But um, in the uh, in the studio today, here I we are recording uh, at the uh, the New Leonard Media Studios here in Traverse City. Um, I gotta gotta always put that out there, and I, I probably should put that out there as much as possible since I have uh, Mr. Marcus is in the studio here with hey, us tonight. hello, hello. <laughs> and uh, um, is it okay if we just call you Mr. Marcus? How do you want to go by? Uh, yeah, well, no, you know, family calls me Mr. Mark. Mr. Mark, no, okay. Just okay. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the things with the uh, Living Sober Up North podcast is that I don't want to infringe on anybody. You know, this isn't like an AA-based type of a podcast or anything, but if people want to remain anonymous, they can remain anonymous, you know? So I uh, I want to respect that to you if, uh-huh. if you would like, you know, but uh, I've already told everybody your name. No, so. no, I, I knew the deal coming in. Uh, I'm uh, open book and I'm... I'm uh, completely fine with everybody hearing um my story and very cool no very one, cool you know you know i think that it's no something that could that can help other people you know i mean the, the, when it when i first started getting sober myself i remember it was uh the support system was number one for me um having a support system i i knew that i couldn't just simply do it on my own i wasn't like i was uh i wasn't some i mean there's no way to do it perfect you know but yeah. having a good support system there people you know it was like one of those things where i i realized who was really going to stick with me throughout the entire journey of my sobriety versus those who were like okay well you know what uh you i don't have time for you i don't want to be around you or anything i've I, you know, no. they've, they've got their own issues and whatnot. Uh, it's kind of funny when uh when you sober up it's always said that you got to get new friends right and that's such a big pressure to put on somebody but what i would actually say to people is that i didn't have to get new friends Mm -hmm. uh my friends changed on me you know what i'm saying right right so it's like i didn't have to actively seek new people in order to stay well yeah staying sober changed my friends yeah. Certain people just didn't come around anymore because I wasn't doing the same things. And yeah. and that was something funny. I always thought that I could keep the same friends and everything would be fine. And it wasn't. It was like suddenly the phone didn't call as much and I was I was very much uh, alone. And was it was it something like too? you? Do you think like it was like your friends were like, oh, he's sober now. You know, like I don't. I don't. There, there was a lot of that. There was. Uh, or was it like a respect thing? Was it something where they were like, let's respect his sobriety because because we're not changing what we're doing. Yeah, I I think it's more like uh, I think only one person was honest with me, and it's a co-host from uh, South of the 
straights. <laughs> that guy's a it, dick. I mean, I mean blunt. No, I, I've always appreciated it because he said, he said, look, dude, I got, I got work, my kids, and then I'm token. Mm-hmm. And you don't toke. It, it's just, you know, right, there's no right. time. Like, I'm not going to be in rotation anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I still see him. Doesn't mean we're not lifelong friends. Uh-huh. Uh, that we will find other reasons in life. There's birthdays. There's other things that come up that bring us together. But a day to day, it's not. It's, uh, I'm not a stop. Yeah, 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 in, yeah. In, in the day anymore, and it, it was quite the quite the run. I mean, um, I started uh, smoking and selling. Weed, at least that was the first that I started out with. I was about 13, 14 years old. That was the thing that first got you kind of into, like, I mean, it was just into drugs and alcohol to begin with. And not that that's the gateway, but that just happens to be what I was with first. You Mm -hmm. know, I was, I grew up around uh, alcoholism. I was, uh, uh, as a youth, I was always in uh, child of alcoholic uh, classes. always knew who my school social worker is so when i uh started uh smoking and selling it was it was no big whoop but i I didn't realize i didn't recognize my own anxiety and i had this like escape from the things that i didn't want to deal with at school and in the neighborhood and just uh family problems that i wouldn't even have been able to recognize or understand Mm -hmm. and as time went by eventually I had dropped out of high school and I did not want to go to work either. And, and I mean, I understand that, that like I, at that time I didn't understand about finding your element, finding what you do want to do for a living and being passionate about something. I just knew people have to go to work. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do that. And right. that really, that was really tough. And, and I really enjoyed, uh, making music and, uh, and, and selling drugs allowed for me to be, at home in the studio and and so i did that for several years and uh, eventually the golden handcuffs had me to where i was paying rent and all my bills with uh with this money and if i was to stop and go get a job at the bottom Mm -hmm. i wouldn't be able to afford where i was at and it wasn't at that point it wasn't just me you know, uh, eventually I had I had a baby coming, and I I had a uh, a wife to support, and we knew that like I didn't want to do this forever, mm-hmm. and I had uh, luckily in my early twenties I went and got my GED, and I had I had enrolled in uh, in community college, and and I was trying to do something I didn't know what, but I I, I knew I wanted out, and uh, July eighteenth, uh, two thousand three, a month after my first son was born, that decision was made for me. I had I had had a good run of almost nearly a decade yeah. of doing what I was doing, and skating by before uh before my home was raided and i was taken away and one of the things is is that seeing the disappointment in uh, my lady's eyes and seeing uh seeing my my baby being uh being taken you know she was allowed to leave the house with him and and watching that and then after being uh, convicted you know i really ended up only doing short time you know so six months in jail 
was six enough. Six months is still a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's a long time yeah. in, in infant time too. So I got this yeah, infant, to others. Yeah, this yeah. infant baby, and I um, was just so like I was so disappointed in myself that I that I felt like I was on my way out, and I should have cut it off sooner. But uh, but this was a means that kept me sober for that period of time. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and then I get out. And it was easy to be like, well, I got to get off probation. I'm on probation. Right. You know, I don't want to go back. So I stayed sober for that time. Yep. And then after I got off, one of the one of the hardest things that happened was, I mean, my relationship was messed up anyways. Mm-hmm. You know, we both come from damaged homes. But when she had said, I thought once you got off probation, you'd be able to come out and drink with me. Uh-huh. Right, you know, right. and and that it was like a weird click that was just like, dude, you don't you don't get it. Right. Yeah, yeah. You you've got a life-changing thing. I like, mean, it was dramatic. Like, it was something that happened to you that for the rest yeah. of your life, it's it's changes and, you. And at that it was that moment that I realized I wanted to stay sober completely. Mm-hmm. But before then I was relying on little benchmarks, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I get out, I get off probation, I I've come this far, I've I might as well see it through to 5 years. I should whatever, but uh I had quit smoking cigarettes probably three years before then. And one of the things that I did when I quit smoking cigarettes is I didn't tell anybody. Yeah. You know, so that way it was like, if I do have a cigarette, Nate's not going to be looking at me like, well, I thought you quit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or if I'm like, nah, I'm good, Dan's not going to be coming at me with like, you sure you don't want one? Right. You know, it's just the way it is. Like, like if you don't say anything, it was really easy for somebody to offer me one and be like, oh, well, not right now. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't have that pressure on myself. So after enough time went by, it was like eventually somebody's just like, dude, I've noticed you haven't smoked in like months. Right, right. You know, and it's like, yeah, yeah, I, I think I gave it up. You know, I think I'm free. Yep. And that's uh, that's how uh, drinking and token had happened with me, too. You just quit too. cold turkey with it? or Cigarettes? Yeah, cigarettes. It, I think I, that's one of the toughest things. I, I don't know if I'll be able I, to quit. I still lived at my mother's house. Yeah. And it was February. And I was fortunate enough that all of my friends like worked for the same uh, like siding company, uh-huh. and they were like working out of town. So there, so like all the people around me that were smoking were gone, and there was a downtime for uh, there was like a weed drought. I don't think if you remember like like ninety nine two thousand. Like there was that, you know, my mom's boyfriend you, was growing weed then, so no, yeah, there was no oh, weed drought. There was in my no, house. Yeah, yeah, you had plenty of that. Well. Well, the the bricks the bricks weren't coming through uh-huh, Michigan okay. at least. The, you you could find pills, but uh, and find anything else, but there but that that wasn't around. So I wasn't selling as much. So people, other people, weren't coming around. Right. And my mom had said no more smoking in the basement. Okay. So now the little bit of weed I have. I'm keeping to myself. I'm not sharing with anybody else. <laughs> and when I go outside, I have to choose one or the other because it's February and it's cold. Right. Yeah. And then uh, I had been going on some dates with a couple different girls and neither one of them smoked. Okay. So that, like, it just made it easy. But, you know, like, after a while. It's a weird support system that you had there. You know, I mean, if yeah. you think about it, you're like, they, it, uh, you, you kind of surrounded yourself. It, it fell into place. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, like it, the it people was, that you were associating with weren't doing the things that you were doing. Nah. And 
Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's uh, that's one of the keys, the key factors with sobriety, though, too, is like the mm-hmm. people that you do keep around. Like, you know, I mean, like we were talking about earlier in the, this uh, broadcast here, this uh, the people that that really want to see it through for you and and help you along. They they stay with you, and it, the the people that don't, they you know, oh well, there's not yeah. much you can do about them. You know, yeah, you know, I had a couple friends, one in particular that I grew up with, uh, who just always was kind of at an arm's length, like growing up. He grew up like a block away, mm-hmm. and he he came from uh, a good uh, good Sunday morning family. You know what I mean? And he still like appreciated hip hop, graffiti. He was a drummer. Mm-hmm. Um, he would come around sometimes, but like the things that we were up to, he wasn't about. So he just didn't come around that much. But he still would every now and then, yeah. and and it always would happen to be like a time that I'm by myself, anyways. So he would just come over and kick it. He would never try to guide me into anything mm-hmm. just come over and kick it talk about graffiti talk about music yeah yeah and so that was somebody that after i had sobered up you know he came around quite a bit more nice. after that and you know and and never we never talked about it even no, no but it just you know something looking back that i that i realized had occurred had a big influence in a yeah. sense yeah how many years uh, sober are you currently right now? Um, 16 and a half. 16 and a half years. No. So no? Wait, how old is Caden? He's about 16. Oh, he? he'll be 17. Yeah, 16 and a half. 16 and a half yeah. years? Wow. That's, yeah. And look at things like that. Like, I, I always wonder, like, how, do, how does somebody that's been 16 and a half years sober deal with stressful situations like things that happen in your life that are completely out of your control like uh, but but they affect you you know like how do they how do you deal with that how do you handle things like that well i think what you're getting at is like triggers well and so and so it seems like when you get stressed you get triggered Mm -hmm. into doing something and that's stress doesn't do that to me when I get when I get stressed out, I uh, and I'm under pressure. I get stronger and more hyper focused on whatever the particular goal is at the moment. Mm-hmm. What triggers me is like uh, really goofy little things. Yeah, um, my father-in-law and my brother-in-law watching hockey. Really, and I'm just like, you know, if I would just sit down and have a beer with them, I might be able to hang out. Uh-huh. You know, but. It's just funny, like, if I would just sit down and watch hockey, I could hang out. Right. So the truth is, I just don't want to watch hockey. <laughs> Take away the hockey. <laughs> the triggers go away. You don't have but, you know, hockey, but no hockey, no But then another time, I mean, this was years ago, I, I went and helped a, somebody with a job on a roof. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting on the rooftop, and he takes a quick break. He's going to smoke a roach. Okay. He pulls his roach out of his pocket. That's all he's got. Yeah, yeah. And... uh I'm looking at that, and after having, I mean, I've had pounds and pounds, pounds, you know, at at a time, and I knew the value of when you get down to that roach, Mm -hmm. and so looking at that was just like, uh, I want, you know, like, I knew how valuable that is to him right now, and I want a piece of it. Right, right. How many years sober were you at that time? Probably about five. About five years sober. Yeah, and five, you had that six. itch. You had that but five it was just itch. like, uh, <laughs> and and I get it. And now now it's it's tough too because I have uh, it, it's being more socially acceptable. Right. It's legal. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, when when people look into my uh, criminal background now, it's like, dude, it's like what I was doing is perfectly legal today, and that blows my mind. Well, alcohol is legal too, though. You know, well, I, mean, I, well, I wasn't into alcohol. Oh, you were never <clears throat> into the alcohol. Huh? Well, I I drank some 
like only a couple years total. Like but you never got like real. drunk. You weren't. You weren't like no. That. Well, <laughs> well, maybe once or twice, uh-huh. and that was yeah. Let's see, from twenty two to twenty three. Yeah. So the year before I got sober i did go to bars a lot i was single for some time i i had some times yeah, yeah. that I, that i noticed that if uh if looking back that i got in a few fights that year mm-hmm. and i uh woke up with different women a few times you know quite yeah. a few times and th- th- those things i i see were something that i was already like training to be to avoid mm-hmm. as a as a child because of my father's behavior and so I was raised to like alcohol bad or my mom, bless her, was always sober as far back as I can remember. Mm-hmm. She says she drank, she drank when she was young. But to me, like anything before my time is, is since, you know, yeah, never, yeah, yeah. never happened. It never existed. Anything that happened before 79 didn't happen to me. <laughs> so like yeah. she's, as far as I'm concerned, my mom's been sober since the beginning of time. And uh, and she used to always just condone me smoking, yeah, token, and uh, you know, nobody ever talked about acid or anything else like that. But like, um, but she condoned that just because she felt that she never saw anybody get hit, yeah. you know, yeah. anybody be abusive when smoking weed. Now th- that th- I think there's some misconceptions there. I think I think yeah, I think an asshole who's gonna hit, you know, hit a woman is going to do that they're an it, asshole regardless yeah, yeah. if he's sober yeah. or drunk drunk's not an excuse yeah but but still at the time i had always thought that yeah alcohol bad we good I, I still have that ingrained in me mm-hmm. i still i think i would rather see people smoke than drink yeah it's just a lot chiller but uh so now today you know it's legal throughout michigan it's legal in several other states it's hard to argue with my teenager yeah. Who's who's experimenting now? Because I can't see his future. Right, I right. can't project my experience completely on him. His life is different than mine, and and he may be able to smoke and drink responsibly. You know. Yeah. yeah. And so that's one thing that kind of triggers and is just like, well, I wonder if we'd hang out. And and the, no. <laughs> no, that's that that uh, that I had to work out in therapy already. When the therapist was like, "What scares you most about Caden smoking?" Yeah. And then finally, it was just like, "Well, because I think I'll start to right, and, right, yeah." And I know how I felt, and I never want to feel that way again. I'm not saying everybody feels that way, you know. That's that's something that's come up with other people's insecurities being projected on me when they ask, "Why am I sober?" And then they start asking more questions, and the, they're like, "Oh, so you're saying that like because I smoke weed that I'm insecure?" And right. I'm, uh, like, no, that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is, I was a loser when I was smoking, and uh, I'm scared to go back to that. Right. You don't want to and, experience and, what you've already gone. And through. I don't yeah. need anybody to prove me wrong. See that right there is that shows intelligence. I mean, if you <laughs> learn from a situation, you know, and you don't go back to that situation, it's like you know uh, the the hot stove burn you. Okay, not touching yeah. hot stove no more. You know, like that's yep. that, that's not a good idea. Um, your uh, your sobriety now, though. I mean, sixteen years in, what is it that you're doing currently to you know remain sober? Are there certain activities that you do? Is there, because we do live in northern Michigan here, you know, where there's it's so like you were just saying, weed is becoming legal, alcohol is legal. I mean, God forbid ever you know that heroin or crack becomes legal, but I mean, <laughs> well, well, you know what? I, I have my 
own opinions at times on that too. Like just free it all and then help people with their, uh, with the behavior health before the desire to even partake, mm-hmm. you know? So for what am I doing today is a lot of times I, I deal, I deal with my anxieties and I, I look back and I realize that that's where a lot of it stemmed from. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like th- this is uh, just to face facts. It was self-medicating. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so it's very similar to what I said in the episode one, actually, when I was when I was growing up, yeah. I mean, I was on a Ritalin from like, I think I was actually like two years old when they started me on Ritalin. I was just a little kid. I mean, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This was the dude. 80s, dude. 80s were way different <laughs> than now. But yeah, I mean, I was just a little kid. I, maybe I was three. I don't know. Two or three years old. But I was taking Ritalin. Oh, that's a hyper kid. I was a hyper kid. I trust <laughs> but me. I mean, like, but come on. My mom had to little... take me to the doctor once to see what was wrong with me because I was just yeah. so hyperactive. And the doctors actually, they put me, they did this little test when I was sleeping and um, like they hooked up all these things to my head. I I don't remember this, but this was when I was just a little baby, you know, and the doctors like the test results say that he's basically awake when he's asleep. Like the the way that my brain's moving, you know, like the way that everything's like, that's just the way that I am. You know, like I'm just one of those extremely (sighs) hyperactive. If I saw that little boy, I'd say, buy him a drum set and get him (laughs) some lessons, man. I had an Atari, you know, and and Atari kept me pretty uh, sane for a long time. But uh, Atari is a drug, too. Yeah, it was. Oh, dude, totally. (laughs) When I was a little kid, holy crap, I would sit there. I I, I mastered Pac-Man. Not many adults could master Pac-Man, but when I was a little kid, boom, dude, I had yeah. Pac- I got so bored of Pac-Man. Remember the old TVs where they had the vertical and horizontal displays you could sit yeah. there and turn? I would I would mess with those and then play Pac-Man so that it was all like a different level, you know? Like yeah, this is something completely different. <laughs> wow, dude, that's impressive, actually. <laughs> but yeah, and I'd do it with uh, Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong was another one. I'd sit there and mess yeah. with the horizontal. Man, that was fun dude you want to talk about a weird game but um you you know what i I have a hard time uh making a a distinction between what is a healthy distraction Mm -hmm. and what is unhealthy so i just said get that kid a drum set yeah get him some lessons get him get that energy burnt out of him put put it to Put it to some mindful use. Get him some piano lessons, something right. that will like uh, allow him to get get all this out. You said Atari. Mm-hmm. I immediately discredited that. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I still feel like there is a we have an iPad problem. Oh, totally in, in our society. Every but, kid out there but, has got a video game. You, in you know, hands. they're they're all they're all doped up. No kids are knocking on my door like for. 14 years I'm living in this house waiting on kids to come over and kids don't play outside anymore. No. It's dr- it's like bizarre. Yeah. But uh, I had an uncle who sobered up, right? And mm-hmm. then he went and and just got into like bowling. I mean, bowling, he was, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, dude, I'm talking like like both hands, two lanes, strike, strike. Wow. You know? Wow. Uh, Mr. 300 several times over. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he won some competition. He won a car once. That was cool. Yeah. But he never was like, went professional. But then also he had a wife and kids at home. <laughs> right, <laughs> that, right. Yeah, it's kind of tough. That he's like not tending to yeah so you just you transferred one to another now i would rather in bowl than drink yeah yeah you know but but that's what i'm getting at is like when when do we take it too far you you were asking how i dealt with yeah. it and and one of the things that i dealt with was one like 
uh, facing the things that made me anxious. Going to school used to make me anxious. Mm-hmm. Talking in front of people, which is funny, being an entertainer for years, like my lower back would hurt so bad uh, before I got on stage every single time. Really, from anxiety? Or? Oh yeah, really. Oh yeah, it wow. was it was like painful. Like, uh, but as soon as I as soon as I'm on stage, and as soon as the first word comes out of my mouth on the microphone. It, it all goes away and I'm okay. Was that like a distraction from the anxiety maybe? Probably. Like, or it's too late. I'm in it. Yeah. Just like a fight. You know yeah. I mean? Your adrenaline gets right, going, right. but if you can manage your adrenaline and just throw them hands, dude, you'll you, you clear your mind and, well, at least I can, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> like so, some people maybe not, but, uh, so I ended up uh, going back to school, right? Mm-hmm. And then I like didn't stop for like 12 years and I might not stop. Because, you know, even at the education level that I'm at now, uh, I don't really know that I want to ever be a professor, but calling me Dr. Wilson, (laughs) (laughs) except on an airplane when somebody's like sick and they need a doctor, like, well, actually, I'm a doctor of... I am a doctor. uh, I'm a a doctor of media and information. I'm the love PhD, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But... But, you know, that that was my distraction for a long time, and it was something I did. But it did get uh, overwhelming having little kids. Uh, uh, my son, Ontario, uh, it was just funny. When I f- completed my master's, I was like, dude, this little dude doesn't know life without his dad going to school at all. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. You know He's I mean? so used to dad just going to school because <laughs> that, because that was something, like you said, that was that was what you got yeah, addicted to, you know? Yeah, you were, everybody get to bed early. I got a paper to write tonight, and I wow. don't want to do, you know, like... Um, I share that similar thing too, really. I mean, it's like with us podcasting. I mean, I I decided, you know, when when I first got sober a few years back, I got into podcasting yeah. and producing podcasts. That's where Aberkey Productions came from. You know, was me producing podcasts, and I was like, man, I'd like to maybe turn this into something. You know, like maybe yeah. I could help others. You know, pre- recording their podcasts. And I I'm not kidding, dude. I used to do the same thing. I. I fell into being addicted to podcasting, which yeah. is which is odd, but at the same time, it's it's kind of what does it for me too. I mean, I, I I focus myself. I get so in in depth with business and working that I can't focus. Like I got so much on my plate. How can I drink? You know, like there's yeah. no way I could even fit that into my day. I can't even play a video game nowadays. I tried sitting there and playing a video game with my daughter the other day. I'm yeah. like five minutes in, and I'm like, man, I got there's I got to do yeah. something. <laughs> and then and some people would, you know, there's some people that would have have an opinion that doing that is a recipe for disaster. Right. That if you don't start compartmentalizing your time and making time to play with your daughter or this or mm-hmm. that, things will things will come crashing down. That you can't burn the candle at both ends. And, right. And this you need and that. some balance. Yeah. But I don't know that that's always necessarily true. It's tough to it's tough to do that. You know, I mean, like, like that's one thing that. I've learned in my my sobriety too is uh, time management has been one of my my I don't know I'm ter- I'm terrible at it but at the same time I'm learning it you know like yeah. I'm, I'm I'm still working at it every single day and I maybe I don't think that I'm ever going to be perfect at, at doing time management it's just not possible you know I mean seven minutes goes by so fast how long have we been doing? holy crap we're almost at a half an hour you see yeah. I mean things like that like it just happens like that you know like I <laughs> I don't even realize where the time goes but. Yeah, it's been a half hour. I haven't even said anything yet. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, let's turn the focus to you. So tell me about your sobriety. Nah, I've been telling you. Yeah, I, no, I mean, you told us. You I told mean, us. it's kind of funny. I, I don't like. Uh, 
like the way I started out telling my stories is like uh, it's almost like I glossed over it all so fast. Yeah. I've I've done so many other speaking engagements in the past right. where they like I don't know where maybe it's a fundraising thing, right? And right. I need to make people in the audience cry. Uh huh. So like I tell it a little slower, and I tell and I got a specific story, but but with you, I sit down and, and you know you know you already know how it is. It's like well, here's yeah. what I was doing. I was I sound some weed. <laughs> right. Actually, I tell you know. <laughs> My nephew, he's got his dream job right now, working with a cannabis company. You know what I mean? Like, right. it's just funny that, like, like once upon a time, like it was such shame. Man, Uncle Mark selling drugs, right? And it was some weed, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, if, if I tell you a little piece of my legacy, there's a bar in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh huh, on Brady Street. The bar is called Nomads. Okay. And Nomads has been there since uh, since there was a home upstairs, and the downstairs was a speakeasy. Okay. Ran by uh, Frank Latona. Frank Latona is my mother's grandfather. And the point of the story is this this house that my grandmother was raised in, you know, when the, when the fuzz would come, Prohibition era. Yep. You know... Aunt Frances would be in the bathroom pretending she's washing her hair when she's really dumping gin down the drain. <laughs> that bar's still there today. Really? Well, no yeah. Well, I mean, that's a cool story on its own, but yeah. the fact is, it's legal. Yeah, yeah. The bar still stands. Yeah. It's a great bar. It's, you know, and, uh, and, and that's my family legacy. Things sometimes are only illegal until they're not. Right. And so, here's me convicted felon here's the state of michigan freed the weed you yeah, know yeah 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 and uh and, and i believe in that uh that has nothing to do with uh whether or not i remain sober or not mm-hmm. you know it's just something interesting to me but uh but i've always felt that those who can partake responsibly uh deserve to do so mm-hmm. without the threat of imprisonment you know right that that that's that was painful there there were so many things that in my life that that felony stood in the way of and that's not me trying to get away from like well i ran an illegal business at a time that it was illegal that's just the way you know that's what i did but uh that's another thing that had gave me a really hard drive is just that um, when you got to check that box, yeah. it, it hurts every single time. Convicted felon. Boom, yep. it hurts. Yeah. And you look at it and you're just like, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I try to tell my boys, I, th- I think they understand, you know, protect your rep. Yeah. And protecting your rep doesn't always mean be a badass. And if somebody's disrespecting you, you kick their ass. You protect yeah. your reputation at all costs, uh, yeah. everything, and, uh, and and you you make sure that you know keep that record clean. You know, we were talking a minute ago about distractions and the, and the things that we get into too much. And when my son was uh, real little, my first son, he used to sit on my lap. While I'm making beats, yeah, and I'm working on uh, working on music or or mixes, and 
his mother used to get so jealous of it or i was like just at that time uh perfecting my photo my photoshop skills my graphic design skills yeah and just always just doing something music and entertainment related and and he was around this and she used to come out and she'd be like uh, he's you know he's gonna hate you because you're always doing that and it's just so funny that like the cats in the cradle <laughs> now he's yeah, out here hanging out with me yeah now that, he's in the he's not well you know what's funny is he's not hanging out with me in the studio no no that's true. actually he's, he doesn't even want me in the studio yeah he wants like, to do his own thing on i come the out of the studio he's like oh do you need a studio like yeah. no oh well then what do you want yeah. like <laughs> dude i just want to kick it like what? <laughs> oh that's funny well mark thank you so much for taking a few minutes to you know i mean tell us about your story how did how is it that you what well, any advice that you would give to other people out there that are, you know, thinking about getting sober or who are currently sober right now who are maybe struggling with their sobriety? What type of advice would you give somebody? Uh, that's really tough, Nate. I know. It, I, that's it, the whole point of this. It really is because, <laughs> I mean, there's so many other things that people, similar things that people look for advice in and, and you just... You can't, you know, I don't want to be cliche and just say, you know what, how about today... Today you you take it easy. Mm-hmm. One of the pieces of advice that I, I I had given out earlier, I think I I stand by. If you're somebody and there's not something else, an an outside entity forcing you to be sober, so mm-hmm. i.e. you're not on probation, right? You're not right. in trouble with the law. Uh, maybe you don't even have a spouse who's like, I'm gonna leave or else. You don't have any ultimatums facing you, right? You just are starting to feel like dude this is out of hand yeah that is when you probably could utilize uh what i said about smoking cigarettes earlier and how i quit people around and you, you just don't yeah. tell anybody yeah you know you just you, you you take a day you don't drink yeah take the next weekend when everybody's going out like oh i you know if you've got to lie I got something else going on, or I'm not. I'm I'm not feeling it this weekend. I'm just going to kind of chill, right? You know, you, you just do that. You don't tell them you're not because if you come back out, then it's like, oh, it didn't work out for you, did it? Or right. or vice versa. You sure you don't want to come out? Or you know, you just let it go. There, you know, it's kind of kind of late in the in the podcast now to bring up some other things we talked about in the past, but uh, I hope that you have me on again because there there were some things there were some yeah. things that you know that that we've talked about offline before that that i think we should share with with people and uh yeah and we'll have to get another another topic you know we can we can bring another topic to the stage you know i mean because this is just the infancy stage of this podcast right now only two episodes in uh but yeah thank you so much mark for coming in here and uh chatting with me tonight or today whatever time it is i don't even know what time it is whatever time you're listening to it right now you are the uh it's it's all about you my friend yeah (laughs) if you who yeah, you, I said cool. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about the listener, the, the person who's listening to us right now. Um, so uh, yes, yeah, thank you very much, Mark, and uh, we will uh, we, we will revisit this again, man. Uh, definitely, I want to I want to get a little bit more insight on your uh, your life, your sobriety, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I want to remind everybody too that if you or anybody you know is uh, suffering from an addiction, uh, you want to you know you want to get off of that addiction, you want to help them get off of that addiction, send me an email at sideshow at softofthestraits.com. 
and I will do whatever I possibly can to help you with your sobriety. Or you can even come in here. Maybe you're somebody that wants to actually talk about your story. Maybe you're currently using uh, some sort of a substance or whatever, and you you uh, you you want to just talk. You know, I mean, you can come in here and talk. I would love to give you as many resources as possible and help you uh, to 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 get off of whatever it is that you're using. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind, please. Uh, episode two, right around the corner, or episode three, right around the corner here. So I hope that you enjoyed this one, and uh, we will talk more between now and then.